Hello and welcome to the Listix AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and we are here each week to pull apart a different AFL playing list, analyse the key list indicators, and determine what club is missing and what moves they should be making in the off-season. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Sean Lewis. Sean, what are your thoughts about the Giants, mate, the team we're covering today? Um, look, I, I love the Giants. I love their list profile. I think they're... Um... Definitely built for success. There's some uh, interesting things about their list, and um, definitely some things they need to be doing this this year. But you know, I think given the injuries they had this year, I think they performed very well. And um, you know, your your boys played excellently on the weekend to, to defeat them. Um, but I think with with Josh Kelly out, and um, obviously uh, a few guys coming back for their second game, probably not having the same adrenaline rush that they had the week before. Uh, it was probably a bridge too far for them. But, yeah, still um, an excellent list, which we'll, we'll go into a bit more detail with. But, yeah, how about you? How you uh, how do you feel towards them after you, you gave them a bit of a, a beat down on the weekend? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that they're a great side. I think that they have all of the tools to, to win a flag. I don't think they have to worry. Um, they just have to retain now and that's probably the hardest part is of this whole thing has always been the the juggling act of who to retain and who to move on and I think that's that's probably still the problem that's facing them and we look at the we look at the um, average age of their team it's surprising that they're actually the fifth oldest team in the competition and that's probably because they topped up quite heavily with uh, guys like Delidio and Griffin and Shaw and all of these sort of type of players who are senior Yep. Um, look, I think with in terms of why their average age is so high, what's what's interesting, look at their list, you'll see that there's 10 players on their list that are over 28. But then they've also got 10 players between 25 and 28. And then they've got 14 players from 21 to 24. And then um, another 10 players under 21. So it's a beautifully balanced list. Yeah, and that's that's probably what um, makes everyone think that they're going to be successful in the sustained sense, is that a lot of that talent isn't in the over-28s, it's in that middle bracket, the bracket that's sort of coming into its prime now and um, are ready to do some damage. Average games-wise, they're, they're at 63.9, which is the eighth most, but again, that probably speaks to what I was just talking about, which is you know their age profile is a little bit skewed high because because of the way their list is broken and it means that naturally their their games played is going to be a little bit lower they them and Geelong I think are the two teams that have this anomaly um, but whereas Geelong's is caused by the fact they've put very little games into under 24 I think it is or under 23 um, GWS actually have got good amount of games into their younger players. Um, they've got you know something like 26% of their gap total games in under 25s, which is would be apart from obviously the rebuilding teams down the bottom like your Carlton's and stuff. It'd be up there with um, probably one of the highest in the AFL. And then you know as you extend down, they've got you know 29% of their total games played in 20. 25 to 28 and 45 percent in the 28 and overs so just you know combining with the players across the age groups and then where their games are being played they've just got a really lovely blend 
um, across all of it, and it's just really, you can see that, you know, given, you know, three years' time, you know, that 24 to, or the 25 to 28 section, they're going to have another 40, 50% of the games. That net, that section below them is going to be pushing up. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a list that's been really well designed for, for future success. It's an interesting one because they do have a lot of really high talent players, but they probably haven't brought in, in my opinion, that many new high talented players in the last couple of years. So Tim Taranto is obviously an exception to that. I think he was picked two back in his day, but they've been bringing in some more role playing players. Um, and I think that comes with the whole um, expensive um, component of doing a great job developing and retaining this talent. Uh, but then having to release some players because they're too expensive and having to bring in some players that will just be role players like your, your Zach Langdon's and, and these types that should be there um, and are important to have in your side, but um, don't cost as much as some of the others. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, they've, they've done a really good job in drafting full stop, I think. Like, I don't know if you've watched much of Sam Taylor this year, but he's, oh, I mean, every time I watch him, I just think he's fantastic. Like... He looks like he's going to be a future star. Um, but then they've also got, you know, Jeremy Finlayson, who's a very similar, you know, size and everything. And he, you know, <laughs> what do you do if you've got two of them kind of thing? And then you've got Nick Haynes as well. So, you know, they've just got a plethora of talent in a lot of sections. You know, you even go, you got Zach Williams, Lockie Whitfield, Harry Perriman, Isaac Cummings. So you go to a lot of these positions, how do you fit them all in? Um and you know, or do you keep using them to build, keep that that pipeline, that high potential pipeline coming in, um, which I think is something they've done better than other sides. Yeah, they have. They've. It seems like they've moved them out at, at an earlier time, or when their prices are high, or once they've realised that they're not going to be any good, they ship them off to Carlton, which has been a good strategy for them for a while now. <laughs> Looking at the the depth profile, mate. So they've got. Five key forwards, five general forwards, ten midfielders, um, three midfielder forwards in there, uh, three rucks, eight general defenders, and nine key defenders. Now, it's interesting that nine key defenders because um, they're just guys over 193 centimetres, but a lot of their, it's quite a few of their big key defenders are actually quite mobile. So, you know, um, guys like Adam Tomlinson and, and Sam Taylor and um, Jeremy Finlayson and these guys, I think Nick Haynes is even over 193 centimetres. You know, they've got, they've got a couple of them, 194, 195, 196 centimetres who are all athletic, good users of the footy, great readers, you know. So uh, quite a few of those nine also float into the general defenders section as well. Yeah, they do. And uh, for me, um, it's just going to be a matter of who are the players that they need to retain on their list in order to be a premiership threat uh, immediately and who are the players that they can afford to move on that might be uh, on slightly larger contracts. than They don't have to be massive contracts, but just larger contracts that they can afford to have a player of that type on and uh, and try to move those guys on, which is what they've, as I said, done well in the past, but being able to identify who those kind of players are. So I guess that's going to be one of the problems with this whole salary cap squeeze is sort of what what do they do? And um, probably the 
one of the bigger things that we've seen this year is the more the actual pressure on um, position-wise and do they have the depth that they thought they had. So one of the things that their strategy of bringing in more senior players like your Heath Shaws and Shane Mumford's um, and Brezolidio topping up in that sort of middle-age type of player was that they sort of shielded guys like Lobb from having to play full ruck time for quite a while. Uh, and I don't think that Lobb handled it um, that well this year. He, he looked okay in the finals, but for me, uh, they looked better all year when they had Dawson Simpson on the side. Um, and I still think that Lobb fills that ruck forward position better than he does uh, that pure ruck position. Yeah, I agree on Rory Lobb. Um, he's, he's kind of, I guess, trapped between the two positions because he's... He he needs to probably devote a year. GWS needed to devote a year for him to become a one-out ruck and be prepared to to suffer um, some losses because of that. Um, But in the long run, that'll make him your number one ruck. But if you're going to keep using him in a floating role, then then just play him as a mid forward. Go get another ruck as a who can come in and support him if Dawson goes down. Um, and that's that's something we'll talk about a bit later. Um, the other the other kind of interesting one is you know what do they do with John Patton when he comes back? Because you know if Rory Lobb's going to play that forward ruck role, you've obviously got um, Jeremy Cameron at uh, the centre half forward, and then the question becomes you know is there a position for John Patton? And you know, with the potential change to six 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 starting positions, and you know where quick contested ball out of the centre is going to be everything. Um, maybe there is room for three key forwards in the same team, but I think that you know he's maybe someone who could become trade bait for them, um, along with a few other players like like Dylan Shield. Obviously, is being talked about. Will Setterfield, I think, has been mentioned um, potentially to Essendon. Um, Aiden Kors, another one that came to mind. And even, you know, as much as I love him, but a Sam Taylor or even a Jeremy Finlayson might be able to extract some value considering you've got multiple of a similar type of player. Yeah, uh, I'm of the same thought. And uh, I think we'll cover some of those more trade bait kind of players when we get down to the trades. Um, but. Yep. Let's um let's jump in into some of their off contract players and start making some decisions on these kind of guys. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you want to start, or do you want me to do this one? Go for it. Alrighty, the man from Casey, Timmy Moore, restricted free agent, eight years. D list. He's been a he's been a good depth player, um, but he's deep in their depth player right now, and he's probably not going to get a look anytime soon. So I'd let him. I'd let him walk or delist him. Yep, agreed. He um he came in for them at the start with with Phil Davis and held down their back line for a while. Has, has suffered a few big injuries, um, and then you know you've had you know the Tomlinsons and stuff come on. So he's been pushed further and further back, and especially with the emergence of of Finlayson and Taylor and Haynes and that, he just keeps being pushed further back. So. Um, delist or let him work, walk whatever whatever suits him you know let him go out on his own terms he's been a good servant for the club coming out of the VFL so Sam Reed. for me I would move him back into a coaching role I would delist him just because I think that some of the traits that they need from a player of his um, style uh, he doesn't deliver on them 
and they've brought in some players around um, in the last two years since they've since they brought him back onto the main the main list, like Zach Langdon, um, uh, who seems to be just doing a better job. I just don't think that he has probably the physical capabilities to go at the top level, and if they're going to go to that next level, I don't think he's the kind of role player that they need. I don't know, like uh, just from you know watching on the weekend, I felt that he was one of their better players. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one. I think he's still a rookie, if I remember correctly. And I think this might be his last year able to be on the rookie list. So, yeah, if they're not going to put him on the main list, like, yeah, they've got to promote him or delist him. The cost of him being on your main list is probably too high. So, yeah, look, I've got no issues in cutting him. But I could also see him offering him a one-year deal and just just to keep him as well. I'm not really sure. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. They've they just got a couple of guys that are going to be playing that position. Um, yeah. And that I, as I said, all of those guys have a, a better upside. Um, DeBoer, who's older um, and probably is still that sort of slower player, is also tougher, records more tackles, and is more experienced. So he offers more in that way. Um, they've got depth players in guys like uh, Tizzini, um, who's ha- had a couple of injuries. They had Brett Daniels, who they took in the draft last year as a smaller forward. So I think they've got to probably um, probably move on a couple of these guys. Yeah, agreed. Um, I've got a few movements a bit later, but yeah. Look, I think with Sam Reid, it's, it's neither here nor there. He either gets a one-year or he's delisted. So, I, I mean, for me, I, I wouldn't be fussed either way. So. Yep. Um, next up's Heath Shaw. Yeah, re-signed. Um, he's, re-signed. A, he's a jet. Give him a, give him at least a deal uh, for a year, and probably probably he's on rolling one year cycles at the moment. You read my mind, mate. I've uh, I've literally put down here one plus one plus one rolling deal. So, yeah. Um, yeah, keep him going. So that's good. Um, we've just had the announcement that Ryan Griffin has retired. So um, that's obviously a list spot that's been freed up and probably a bit of cash for them. Yep. Um, next up is the man we were talking about before, Dawson Simpson. Yeah, I think he's really important to them. And I'd be offering him a couple of years to stay. I think that there's going to be a couple of clubs that are coming for a player of his type. So two-year deal for me. Couldn't agree more. Um, just so important to them and their their... Uh, structure in the middle and especially considering that probably Lobb hasn't performed to what they wanted him to so um, yeah two years for me at bare minimum next up's uh, a rookie in Jake Stein um, he's gone <laughs> There's not much else to say about him he's a category B rookie um, hasn't done much probably time for him to go yeah I couldn't agree more mate I think he's time for him to go um, two years category B rookie Hasn't done anything, so um, no issues from my end for D-list. Um, next up is Lockie Tazani, um, who's been on the list for two years and, as you said, um, has had some injury troubles. Um, how old is he? So what are you doing with him? I'm re-signing him, um, uh, giving him another year to get his body right and, and play because he's shown at times, um, even if it's in the pre-season games and stuff like that, that, that he can um, add value to the side. So I think that, yeah, I think, Sign him. Yeah, look, he's a tough one because of the injuries. It's hard to evaluate. I know he does perform well, but um, I don't know. I, I, I've got him here, maybe delisted rookie. 
Yeah, um, yeah, Rook rook just, in would be a good call. Yeah, I mean, look like he's he's young, um, has definitely shown some some good traits, and I mean, if you if you're gonna let Sam Reed walk, he's probably you probably hold on to him because they're a very similar style of player. Yep. Um, so yeah, dealish and rookie or a one year deal. I could take either, but yeah, I don't think he'll be off their list completely next year. Yep, that sounds good to me, mate. Um, Zach Sproul, a academy kid, if I remember correctly, but you he's a rookie. Do you remember correctly? Um, yeah, he was he was pretty good um, in the in the under 18s is, is what I remember. But another one who just doesn't look like he's come on. Um, he may, I mean, maybe he gets a bit more of a lenience. He's one ninety seven. Um, so he's potentially got some more scope for growth. Um, but, uh, yeah, D-list or give him a third year on the rookie list. Oh, look, I've got him down as a D-list. I was looking through his NEFL, um stats and I saw a few highlights and, yeah, like a lot of what he showed at under 18 that uh, kind of looked all right doesn't seem to still be there. So yeah, um, I've got cool. him down as a D-list. Next up, we've got Dylan Buckley. Yeah, I don't think that he should have been on the list this year. Dylan Buckley, he's gone. Yep, agreed. <laughs> this is nice and easy. Yeah, well, <laughs> D- Dylan Buckley, that was a stupid one. Like, can't, he was not getting a game in the worst team in the competition. He wasn't going to then suddenly improve and be a best 22 role player um, at the Giants. He, it's wrong, wrong player to take a punt on. There were better players that were not picked up in the free agency, um, dealers of free agency last year. Than Dylan Buckley, so just yeah, agreed. Make admit the mistake um, and move on. Pretty much, Jack Buckley, another rookie. Maybe, maybe re rookie. Um, otherwise, um, I would, yeah, I would let him walk on. I don't, I don't think that he offers a whole lot, but he's yeah, and uh, no, I'd let I'd let him walk. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, I think they plucked him out of the Swans Academy. Tall forward, hasn't put on much weight, hasn't performed hugely well at NEFL. Um, I'm happy to delist him. Yeah. Um, and finally, Lockie Keefe. Yeah, he's done a good enough job. Um, and I think that he offers good depth as far as um, as far as far depth goes because you do need it. But And they're a team that are potentially in the window. He can at least play at the top level, like he's big. Um, he offers a point of difference when he plays against players, which I like. Um, he's not just a like-for-like like with some of their others, so he can potentially play in the same side as their other key defenders. Um, so, yeah, he gets another year for me. Yep, I'm with you. Um, he Promote him onto the main list, give him a one- or two-year deal. He's he's earned it. He's probably, look, he's probably only got two two to three years in front of him. He's 27, I think. Yeah. But... Um, when he's come in and had to perform alongside Phil Davis, he's done a great job. Um, I just think, yeah, you know, um, like you said, depth, like quality depth is important as well. Um, and, and he is that quality depth for your back line. So happy to keep him on one, two-year deal on the main list. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've gone well so far. This is... Flying through this. It's it's very different with a, with a side that is built... Like from new, um, and yes. doesn't have a whole lot wrong with it. This isn't Gold Coast where they've been really struggling. They're, they're going pretty good. So, um, yeah, good on them. Yeah, look, I, I agree. Like this, you know, I think this general sense from both of us is that there's not a, 
you know, looking at their list, there's not a hell of a lot wrong with it. Um, you know, probably the thing that holds them back every year is just injuries. So, you know, and it's a bit like Gold Coast as well. They had a terrible run with injuries as well. But, you know, the Giants are, are making finals with a terrible injury list. Um, but, you know, the quality overall is is really high across their whole list. So, and I think, you know, leading into talking about the trade and draft and what they do, you know, that's really important to keep in mind that these guys have, you know, passed probably five years of just been nailing it every year as well as, um, I mean, they had a few years of having the free kick of having the Riverina in their academy zone. Yeah. Um, which certainly got them some pretty good players. Um, but at the same time, you know, you've got to make the most of it and you've got to develop them and credit to them, they've done it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, mate. So, what's missing? Trade and draft, what are we going for? I think they're in a position where they can um, make some bold moves and try to really win this thing. So for me, going and getting a premium ruck from somewhere, um, whether that be a current elite or a premium young ruckman, um, would be really, really important for them. And other than that, I think they probably just need to retain as well as they can, and it'll be hard. Agreed, yeah. Like, obviously, there's there's a lot of talk around them having pressure on, on re-signing players because they're quite high in their TPP payments, which is... Well, that's a bit of an oxymoron there. The TPP is total pay payments. And when you're at 100% or 99% or even if you run a little bit over, depending on how much you've got banked from the previous year, um, it often leaves you quite hamstrung in what you can achieve. So for them, you know, they definitely need rucks. They need good quality, high quality rucks to, to make the most of this great on-ball unit they've got. But at the same time... Signing that ruck means they've got to find, you know, maybe anywhere from 300 to 600 grand for for kind of a, a good ruck that's going to make a difference for them. They've got to find that under a very tight salary cap, so it's very difficult for them. And you know, next year they've got a lot of their players coming out of um, contract and into free agency of some description. Which means that the and, and you know the checkbooks will be out from the Melbourne clubs and from Western Australia and you know guys like Stephen Coniglio will get money thrown at him from Fremantle and we've already seen what's been thrown around for Dylan Shield and Adam Trelaw and Devon Smith and these guys before. Um, so we know it's just going to be a bit of a feeding frenzy. So you know for them getting space under that cap to allow them to re-sign, you know players you know, like um, Jeremy Cameron and Harry Himmelberg and Toby Green, Lockie Whitfield, these kind of guys, Zach Williams, you know, keeping these guys around is incredibly important. So, um, But I still think they need to target a ruck. Um, the one I would love to see them get is Todd Goldstein, if they can afford him. Yeah, you're thinking along the same lines as me, mate. And I think the only way that they'd be able to afford him is to do a player and cap. Um, offset through him so they'd have to send somebody to North Melbourne that they want um, either like a, a Hopper or a, a Finlayson something like that that they could use a young player that's going to come into their best side and say you have to take 80% of um, Todd Goldstein's salary as well if you've got the cap room um, you're going to pay for him and we'll take him though 
Yeah, look, yeah, and that's and that's it. I mean, it's interesting the trading of cap space. It's probably something that doesn't really get spoken about a lot in Australia and around AFL. Um, it's certainly massive in US. Um, you know, whether it be NFL or or NBA or whatever, trading of cap space or doing a salary dump or that kind of things, very common. Um, and I think it's something we're going to start seeing a lot more of going forward. Um, because there are a lot of teams at the top who are trying to get in people um, and don't have a lot of salary cap room. So, you know, there may be clubs down the bottom who have salary cap space who may be willing to say, well, you know, if we get, you know, your top draft pick and player X, you know, that player X, you know, will absorb this part of the salary cost or whatever it is. So, so that's going to be really a big part going forward. But I don't think North will be able to do that, big considering they're in the market for Gaff and Polek and these guys. So I don't think they're going to have a lot of cap space left. Yeah, yeah, I agree, mate. Um, it's yeah, it, it would be interesting to see who they go for. I mean, they could also go for a younger player, um, like someone like a Braden Pruce, who would I think he's still on a reasonable size contract, but. Potentially, um, you could earn contract space by sending out someone that you might have a bit of a like you might have a bit extra in. Um, so, from someone like a Jacob Hopper for me, who I think that they saw as an important part of their future, but for me, is is excess to their to what they actually need. Um, I think that they could move on somebody like him. I think he's probably on maybe a hundred thousand more than what Bruce is on, and I think Bruce would offer more to them in terms of. Um, long-term importance. They thrive off having a battling Ruckman, uh, someone that's willing to throw their body around and, and their weight, which is why they did so well with Dawson Simpson in the middle. And I think that is a, they just need to make a call on it. And if they can move out Hopper's salary and, and even get maybe a thousand, a hundred thousand salary cap relief um, on on Proust, that would give them a, a new two hundred thousand dollars to to add to another contract. So. Yeah, and look, I guess as a part of this conversation as well, the the elephant in the room is Dylan Shield, who, I mean, look, he's a fantastic player, um, and I'm not for one minute suggesting he's not, but, um, you know, you're talking about surplus to requirements and do they need him? I think he is surplus to requirements. I, I feel like they could lose Dylan Shield and it wouldn't set him back too far. Yeah, they just have to, they're, they're a team that can, can afford to just move the magnets around a little bit and they can cover that as in go, we're going to move Taranto into the guts a bit earlier than we planned to, which is going to push, it's going to push some of our guys that are down on sort of your wings, uh, potentially down onto the half forward. So Zach Langdon spend more time down on the half forward line. Uh, Whitfield, now Zach Williams is back, we're going to move you to the wing and just sort of shuffle the magnets around like that and you'll still have a, a very strong side potentially have a lot of cap relief by going to get to get him out though you have to bring in a top six pick and preferably a top four pick for him yeah agreed um that's very much what his value to them will be worth but you know i'd almost be willing to accept a kind of pick eight or something if it got me you know eight hundred thousand dollars cap relief and it meant i could go chase a todd goldstein you know what i mean yeah i do um yeah no i'm yeah i'm a bit the same i think uh, eight, like as in that's the final position that you'll be taking it. As in, um, so it might be seven. Um, the real eight, yeah. The real eight. 
um, because if you get seven um, after Lynch compensation, which means you miss out on Blakey as well, that still gives you um, somebody like a Rosie or a um, Rankin. Rankin, who seems like he might be available at that pick. Ben King, if Ben King's not taken earlier, like uh, Bailey Smith, that like one of those four will be available at that selection. Um, and so it's a, still a very good player. Um, and it adds to that pipeline of talent they have, but it also just means that, as you said, they just clear their books. And then the best thing about clearing your books is it means that you don't have to fit them all in next year. Instead, you just focus on fitting in the four that you might have, and you've got an extra 200000 to re-sign all of them, so you can actually start paying them what they're worth. Yep, spot on. Looking now at their draft picks, they've got 14 in the first round. Um, they've got pick 23 from the Wilson trade last year um, and they traded off pick 30 in the Devon Smith trade. They've got pick 44 from Essendon as a part of that Smith trade. They've got pick 49 which is theirs and the fourth round they've got pick 67. So pick 14, John, um, considering what we've spoken about, what are they targeting? Uh, for me... I would target, like, I think that they have enough talent on their list and enough midfield ability and everything like that to take a, a risk. Um, and I'm, I'm really coming around to somebody like a Bailey Williams. Um, I think that he offers a lot in terms of upside, uh, probably one of the highest upside players in the draft. So um, taking, a, taking a risk on him at this stage would be probably perfect. The other guys would be guys that can come in and play roles um, and and develop into some really good players. So uh, I know he's had his issues with his shoulders this year, but Ian Hill would be would be a good shout around this pick uh, for them. Uh, Xavier Dersma would be a good shout. Anyone that can um, really add to that top-line talent and uh, potentially give them something they don't have. I think that electric pace um, would, would add, a, add a bit to their list, so Hill might be a good shout. Yeah, yeah, like they're pretty good selections. I'd probably, uh, while not the turn of pace, it's just more that midfield quality. Um, I'd probably throw um, Collier Dawkins and Taylor into the mix there as well. Um, I think Collier Dawkins is probably something they don't have, being that tall um, inside mid. So more more of that Cripps Oliver style, um, which I don't think they have. They, they have more of the bash and crash Rory, Rory Sloan style in in, um, in Callan Ward and that. So I think that that gives them length inside the contest, which is, you know, being able to get um, above the contest and get the ball out for the spread, um, which I think is a really good thing. But, yeah, I, I agree it might be a good thing to take a punt on a, on a Hill or a Williams at this pick, considering the incredible depth of talent that they do have. Yeah, um, the other thing that they could do is um, is try to trade up, and they they've shown a I guess a, a willingness to trade up and give away points in order to get higher in the draft, and for their future list going forward, I think the person that you would want to attract is someone with a bit, oh, someone to come in and be effectively Toby Green Part Two. Um, which is somebody like Isaac Rankin, who's got a bit of swagger about him and wants to take the game, wants to be the one that kicks the goal. Um, and I think that if they could um, 
turn potentially some of these players that we might see moving out, like a Shield and 14, even if they have to give up 14 in order to get inside that top three and then go and take one of these elite um, forwards. I think forwards are more important for them than anything. Um, then it, he could he could add value to them next year. Like Rankin could be a part of it, the first GWS Premiership, um, as could Rosie. So I think for them, being inside that top eight is important, whether it's a trading up or whether it's um, yeah just doing it through the way um, of a single trade. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more there. I mean, in my notes, I've just said basically, don't be afraid to trade Shield. Use whatever pick you get. Target, you know, Smith, Rankin, Rosie, but Rankin and Rosie are probably the two I'd be looking at. Um, and and just really get your rucks division sorted. Go trade your second round pick twenty three for for Pruce. Doesn't matter if it's overs. He's going to be more valuable to you than than um, that pick 23, in my opinion. So, um, you know, you might be able to offer, a, like we said, a Finlayson or something to try and weasel Goldstein out or something like that. But overall, like, yeah, like the, the list is so kind of well-balanced and the talent's there. And it's just, for them, it's keeping it on the park in a lot of ways. But, you know, you just see a lot of opportunity in them trading out some guys. So, if I just, if I just take one list in the AFL, it would be GWS. That would be the list out of everyone else's list that said, "Give me one, um, and, and I'll I'll think that I'll have the best chance at winning a flag." Sustained and short term, I would say GWS would be the list I'd take. Over Collingwood and Melbourne. Yes, I'd say that. Yeah, as much as as much as we love as much as we love our own teams. Um, they're, they've got a they've got a true wealth of depth, um, and they've got players at the right age to win. I don't think, even though we've seen them already make all Australian team and stuff, I don't think we've seen the best of Jeremy Cameron yet. I don't no. think we've seen the best of uh, Tom Scully yet, who's been injured all year and was a really important player to them. Same with Whitfield. Same with Williams. Same with Haynes. Um, same with Josh Kelly. I think we might have seen the best of Rory Lobb. I think Rory Lobb might have hit his ceiling, which is why I think we need a, a Ruckman. But they've got they've got five or six players in their team which are already elite, which I think can go to the complete next level and start a uh, a dynasty team. So, and and that's exactly why I'm saying a guy like Shield, you can trade him out because I think we've seen the ceiling. Yeah, I think the ceiling is right there. We're seeing it every week, um, and. Look, he's great. He's a great player, but they could live without him. Do you reckon? That's... Do you reckon that he's hit his shielding? Oh, <laughs> that's fantastic! Uh, that's going to be the title for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good uh, and so bad at the same time. And that's the way we like it. Um, <laughs> I reckon we've pretty much covered everything we want to cover, mate. Do you have any final words for us? Yeah, look, um, I guess my final words there, you know, the Giants have built probably the most balanced list in the AFL. Great blend of youth and experience. Great spread of games. Coaching seems pretty pretty spot on as well. Um, my, my, word, my words of advice or what I'd love to see them do, um, I'm assuming they listen if that's advice, but I doubt it, um, is, is plunge money into your sports science department and fix up your injury list. You know, that's, that's the thing. You need to keep your players on the park and that's what's cost you probably, you know, a grand final opportunity in the last three years is the fact that you just can't keep 
um, your best players on the park when you need it. You know, case in point, you know, Josh Kelly picking up another injury. And some injuries are unavoidable, but the consistency of serious injuries to their list it would have to be concerning. Um, obviously, this year they're going to have to focus on their total player payments um, position for the next few seasons to keep their core together. Um, but for me, you know, keep being bold at the trade table, trade what you can afford to lose, you know, like you did with Trelaw and Smith, who are both great players, but you could afford to replace them. Um, Shield might be that person as well this year, and just go get a ruck. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um. I th- I think that you're right. Um. Uh, they need to work out that that's probably like the rehab sports medicine thing. Um. I know that John Quinn has done a great job with them in in their academy, but it it was noticeable how many players they are missing this year, and that they just haven't been able to get it together in finals. Um. For me, it's like you you're one of the only teams in the competition, potentially the only team in the competition that can. Uh, afford to play chess with your list um, and not be afraid to sacrifice um, a piece here to bring in or to take out pieces from other places and put them into your own team. So don't be afraid to just treat it more like a game um, and and go, if we take out this A and and replace him with two Bs, will we be better? I think they probably will because they've got a couple of Ds on their list that they still need to get off. That's it, mate. Um, it, it's been another great week of footy, and we're going to have a really potentially sad week coming up, so we've got to hope that both of our teams get up. Um, I, I don't want to see us both having to do Collingwood and Melbourne next week, so for your Agreed. sake, mate, I hope that it's your team that's the one that makes it. I think the Ds uh, deserve it and are probably a better shout than Collingwood. Um, yeah. But I, I got my fingers crossed for you, and um, let's see how we all go, OK? Appreciate that, mate, and, and the feelings are mutual. I do hope the Pies can get over the line. I'd love to see a, a repeat of the glory days, Collingwood Melbourne in the grand final. That'd be that um, you know be pretty awesome. I think they hold the record for the um, highest ever attendance at the G in a grand final in the fifties. So. Yeah, well, mate, well, there's the fingers are crossed, but at the same time, uh, well, let's see if our friendship can survive it. <laughs> uh, That's think- true. Thanks again, mate, and thanks, guys, for listening. Um, we, we smashed the 2,000 listens mark, and we're, we're flying up now, so I do appreciate it and appreciate everyone reaching out and supporting us. So thank you very much, and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks, everyone. Talk soon.